I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Check engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 252, and today on the show, I'm joined by Josh Furter Hilliard and my father to discuss the history of our family deer camp and some of our favorite stories from along the way. All right, we are back in the log cabin with the wood-burning stove and the propane lights. And almost exactly one year ago, we are here, me and Furter, talking about deer camp. And that was a good chat, right, Josh? That was a good chat. It was, it was a good fun. chat, but it was it was an, un, an incomplete chat because it was it was just you and me. And we are missing a very important part of any deer camp. Do you know what that is, Furter? I think I've got a pretty good idea. Yeah. It's the senior citizen brigade. <laughs> it's it's the senior member of the camp. We do have a senior member of the camp, one of the senior members of our camp. We don't have them all here today, but we do have special guest, first time appearance on the podcast, many time appearance in my life. David Kenyon, my dad. Welcome to the show, Dad. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. And, and I gotta say, um, this is interesting, right? Yeah. Haven't had uh, the father-son dynamic on the show yet, so I, no. I just gotta tell you, you can't go, you can't get too much into like proud dad mode like you do sometimes. <laughs> try to, try um, to stay. What am I gonna talk about? <laughs> You got to try to stay unbiased. Um, otherwise, people are going to turn this off real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I can throw a few things in there that will help. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can share the other side of things. Um, but, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, so much of what makes this place special, where we're at right now, is the history. And that is something that I want to talk about today because last time when we talked deer camp, me and Furter were kind of just talking about the recent history, talking about our hunts up here just recently, what was going on. Um, but there's so much about this place that's steeped in the past. And one of my favorite things growing up, and I don't know if you remember this, if this annoyed you at all. It probably annoyed some people. Um, but I just remember every time we were driving up to camp, 
whoever I was sitting with in the back seat, sometimes it was Terry, sometimes it was maybe you or, or Uncle Steve or Uncle Bill or whoever it might be, I was always asking them to tell stories. Like, tell me about the first time you got a deer. Tell me about this one time up at camp. Or tell me about this year. What happened this time? I just loved all the stories of the old days. Um, and I still love the stories of the old days. So I'm hoping you can share some of those stories of the old days. Um, so is that something you're up for today? Yeah, sure. Um, well, good. We are sitting here. We're, we're, we're drinking cold beverages. We got the fire going. Uh, we just had um, my wife's famous venison chili, and Josh made some great deer heart. So we are borderline food coma. Um, ready for bed. Yeah. So hopefully we can stay awake for this one, because um, I think it's 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 always fun to talk about this stuff. But I guess before we get into those good old stories, we should at least talk about what's happened here so far. Um, you know, it was kind of a quick trip up here to camp, kind of two, two-ish days, two quick days. Um, and Dad, you and me, we have not seen a deer at all, right? No. Nope. Um, so we don't have a whole lot to share, but Fertz, you've been, you've been kind of the, the star yeah. of the show. Yeah. I've seen 10 deer. Yeah. Your guys is, is zero. Which is pretty good for up here. Yeah. Can you walk us through yep. your hunts? What's happened so far? Yeah, well, I got up here, what, a night, a night before you guys. Um, I got up Sunday night. And uh, not in time to hunt, but my first hunt was Monday morning. And um, I'm trying to remember what all even happened that morning. I guess I saw I saw four deer that morning. I saw like a little four corn, a spike, a button buck, and a, and a doe um, throughout the morning. Just kind of slow, slow morning, even though we're seeing those deer is all kind of um, in a short time period where they came through. Um that was fun. I sat. I sat where Mark usually sits. I I snaked his spot since he wasn't here yet. Mm-hmm. He couldn't say no, so I, I did. went and sat one of the food plots that he usually sits. So that was fun to to sit somewhere where I hadn't I hadn't sat yet. Was, and interestingly, the one time I let you hunt there, you hunt there, and then all the subsequent hunts, it's been dirt. I haven't seen yeah. a single deer. Yeah. So you well, you found some way to really destroy that walk, spot. Real I quick. walked. I walked through the whole food plot. I didn't wash my clothes. <laughs> Took a dump in the middle yeah, of the yeah, field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You turned that into a gar hole real ruin quick. Ruin it for you. Yep. <laughs> no, I didn't do any of that. I snuck in there and snuck out. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so that was that was a good first morning. Um, I mean, we just don't see, we don't see a ton of deer up here. So seeing four in one sit is pretty good. It's and a good day. Two antlered bucks is is a in, in one sit is a good day. Um, it's worth pointing out that from the time I can remember coming hunting up here. So if I, if my memory serves right, probably from the time I was like six or seven is when I can start remembering hunts, you know, that I was up here dead, right? I was up here at six, seven, eight years no, old. No, you were up here much earlier than well, that. Yeah, but that I can remember. Well, I can't tell you what you can remember. That's I remember you being <laughs> about true. three years old at the bottom yeah. of the blind. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So, so I can remember though around like seven or eight years old. Cause I remember 95. I was seven at 95. I remember that was the year that GP killed his big one and Terry mm-hmm. killed his big one. Yep. So I remember that year, and I remember the year before that, which was when Steve killed that nice eight-pointer. So maybe six years old is when I can remember those hunts. So from six all the way till um, till like I was like 18 or 19. So let's, let's call it that whole time period, um, 10, 12 years or whatever, um, I can remember seeing – one, two, two, 
I think two antler bucks in all those years <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> of you and me hunting together. I think we only saw two or three antler bucks in a ten or twelve year period. Yeah. So it doesn't to totally <laughs> shock me. I mean, <laughs> it was probably the two that you and I saw when you wanted to pull the gun away and shoot them yourself. Well, that was that was one of the stories, and we'll tell that one. We'll get, back, we'll get to that story soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. So in general, we have not seen many. The, yeah. mo- the, the last couple of years have been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so this trip being indicative of that, even though you and me, Dad, didn't see anything, Josh, yeah. you saw a lot of bucks yeah. relative yeah. to. But, you know, it wasn't always that way. So back when uh, Grandpa and I and Uncle Steve and the rest of us came up here back in the uh, late 60s and 70s and 80s, um, there were a lot of deer up here. God, I thought those were the 30s and 40s. <laughs> <laughs> so the... Uh, the, uh, the area that we used to hunt in, a mile or so from where our camp is now, uh, for the, uh, what we call the oil road, um, at that time it was just a two-track. And then the uh, uh, oil well companies came in. They widened the road. They did a lot of clear-cutting. They put in the oil wells themselves. Suddenly, over the course of the next two or three years, we had all this undergrowth that grew up in the deer. And then a number of people came in from the outside, from the, oil, from the uh, drilling companies, and, and hunted. So now we had a lot of pressure that we never had before. And there were probably five years, maybe 10 years, where we were seeing lots of deer. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. And then, uh, then for whatever reason, in the late uh, 90s and early 2000s, things slowed down again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to get back to all that. But I guess let's look, finish your story, Josh. And okay. then I want to jump yep. back to where you were just yep. at there, Dad. Uh, because, yeah, so in the past it had been better, and then there was a – Basically, once I showed up, things started going down to the tube. <laughs> once I started coming, things really slowed down. And then maybe we've been on a little bit of an uptick the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, you saw yeah, a couple so, little bucks. Yeah, a couple little bucks that morning, Monday morning, Monday afternoon. You guys got here. Um, I, what did I see? I saw five does Monday afternoon. And I felt like it was going to be a really good night for I me, know. too. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to be great. And then I start hearing all this blowing <laughs> behind me, a couple hundred yards away, just whoosh, yeah, whoosh, for about it, thirty. Minutes. It turned into a bit of a cluster. Yeah. Um. They never they never got downwind to me. I don't think they smelled me, but we, I was sitting on the ground. This this spot, it's not really conducive for a tree stand or a saddle. Sitting on a pipeline, trying to look down this pipeline, and it's on the edge of this big hemlock stand. Hemlocks are like an evergreen tree. Right, right. So they it's got a lot of thick in there. A lot of branches, a lot of low-hanging branches hanging over this pipeline. And so really our, the best bet is to sit in the ground there for, for visibility and shooting lanes. And then you can kind of see into the hemlocks too because there's there's zero understory in there because there's no sunlight hitting the floor in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so sitting on the ground. And that lead doe, she, she knew something was up. She never smelled me, but I think she she knew something wasn't right um and she started blowing and then one of the other does started blowing they didn't really run off they just kind of bounced off to about 40 yards and just looking at me and you know bobbing their heads and stomping their feet and blowing and that went on the worst it's when they i just sit there and every time they make that noise like a little part of my heart dies and i think to myself just leave just if you're so upset I, just leave i was Why seriously in here blowing i was seriously ready to just stand up and like start waving my arms just to yeah. get them to run away because i mean it was just it was getting ridiculous yeah um i've i've wondered about that if sometimes that might be the better right, way to go about it right just get them out of here yeah just stop. go and um so they just kind of hung around for me i don't know 10 minutes 
I mean, you could probably, longer than 10 minutes. Maybe, yeah. It was like 30. Yeah, I mean, you could hear him the whole time. Oh, yeah. Because um, we weren't, we were sitting, what, maybe a couple hundred couple yards, yards apart. Away. But, um, yeah, so it was just, it just turned into a cluster. And I ended up seeing one more doe, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes before shooting light was over. And um, that was, that was that. Um, but that was, I mean, seeing five does in a night, again, I mean, that's, a, that's a good night. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was a good day. I saw, geez, nine deer just in that one day. Yep. And then um, we pulled trail cameras. Pulled trail cameras. We looked at some and pictures last night. And fortunately, two of the three cameras didn't take pictures. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. If if I, It, it appears that the cards were not formatted. So, like, the cards were full. Because when you look at the pictures, it's a bunch of old pictures of mine. So, it would seem that I put the card in there, turned it on, and didn't reformat the cards. But... I just cannot see myself doing it. I, I do this so many times, and that's like I don't even turn on the camera without first formatting. It's it's just it's as much of a process as it is to like pull down your pants before going down the bathroom. Um, hey man, it happens. Interesting to the best analogy. Of us. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've made that mistake. I'm sure it's <laughs> not. I can make down that. Your you pants can make before that. Go to the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, this is. Took a dump. <laughs> No, four million. And Probably. it's been going back and forth like this the whole time we've been up here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened, but something happened, yeah. which kept our two best cameras, like our two best spots that traditionally in the past few years we've been getting good bucks on camera. Those didn't take any pictures from mid-October through mid-November, which is that the one time period during the year we usually get right. good bucks. Yep. So I was kind of devastated last night. I was really upset about it. Um, there's a there's a couple decent bucks on on the one camera that we had, but a lot of yeah. critters, just you know, bears. And I mean, dozens and bobcat. dozens of bears. Yeah, yeah. a couple of coyotes, a couple of bobcats, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and some bucks, mostly yep. young bucks. Yep. There was one buck, maybe that could have been three year old. A couple of small eight pointers, little six, that kind of stuff that are maybe one or two year olds. Right. Um, it was good to see bucks. I mean, it's you know to the earlier point. In the past, we didn't see any antler bucks, so it's nice to know there are antler bucks running around. Um, and I gotta believe if we had the food plot cameras running, I, I bet you yeah. at least one nice yeah. buck would have showed yeah. up. Well, there was one nice buck on that one camera, like a you know maybe a three-year-old tight kind of tight and tall looking eight-pointer. Yeah. Um, so that was good to see, I guess. And then that takes us to this morning, right? Yeah. And this morning, I think I saw that tall and tight eight pointer that was on the trail cameras i saw one deer this morning and it was the first deer that has made me pick up my gun since i've been coming up here for what seven years this is seven i think this is a seven been that year. long wow i've been coming six up. years seven six, something like seven, that some, something like that and uh it was the first time i picked up my gun and i was looking through my scope and ready to pull the trigger um so how did it happen well i'm Sitting, in, I was sitting in the same spot I sat the day before, that the the evening before, because it worked so well with those does. Yeah, it worked <laughs> worked really well with those does. Yeah, I was just I was just hoping that they wouldn't come back through there. They were, they were just spooked and wouldn't come back through. And it was a slow morning. There's really nothing going on. And then, geez, what was that? Maybe nine fifteen ish, nine thirty, maybe. Yeah, sometime around then, I just caught a a flash of something working through the hemlocks and. Um, moving quick. It's just, it's one of those like moments where you're like, oh, that's a buck. Like, you know, it's not a doe. It was, it was cruising. It was just mm-hmm. walking like a buck, um, or kind of cruising like a buck. And 
got my binoculars up and as he was going through the hemlocks and all the the trees and everything i could just make out his antlers like oh that's a nice that's a pretty nice that's a nice buck and um he got to the edge he got to the edge of the hemlocks i, I didn't have a shot yet i needed him to take a couple of steps out into this pipeline and instead of doing that he had stopped at the edge of the hemlocks and then he started working due west of me right straight away from me right down this pipeline and uh, just walked walked away tried grunting at him a couple times and he did not care he just uh was on his was on a mission or something so but, this, um, this was a buck that you were like definite shooter yeah yeah out. especially for up here i was like that eh, that's a shooter for up here you know I, I thought he was probably judging judging his body coming through the 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 woods like he looked like he was probably three and a half um looked like he had a had some some good antlers on him um i thought for sure he was a shooter for up here so pretty excited he would have been you know we're looking at a wall of racks here um and the the top row is is all the the bigger racks that have been shot up here and he he definitely would have been a top row buck yeah that's for sure yeah i feel like even though our top row is not terribly impressive <laughs> across the board there are some yeah um but if you get a shot at something that would be a top row buck these days, it's it's hard not to pull yeah. the trigger on that. Yep. Yeah. Just a editorial comment there. This used to be that top row used to be full of big racks, um, bigger racks than what are there. Um, back in the late '90s, we had a break in, and they took um, many of our bigger racks. So now we're kind of kind of refilling it. Yeah. Um, well, we almost had one to put up there today. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. So he walked away, and that was it. And that was that basically ended the morning. And I I was in your your guys's boat tonight. I didn't see a deer this afternoon. So yeah, no no such luck for yeah. us. I didn't see. I did. I did. I remember thinking yesterday and this morning that I hadn't seen any deer, but I did see two of the does that spooked from you. They came running sort of by me, and I saw them back behind me. But otherwise, nothing. I did have a fresh set of bear tracks that came past me this morning that had not been there in the evening before right. and then we ended up getting pictures of him i think yeah. on the, we went and checked the camera again today because you thought that buck maybe walked past it yeah I pulled that card tonight because i thought that buck he did walk i know he did i know he probably did um but i, I don't know what happened to that camera because now it's like it's an interesting the, the batteries are dead i know he <laughs> probably did <laughs> <laughs> well he was he was heading in that direction unless he unless he cut in um to the swamp on the other side of the clear cut before he passed that camera. Um, but, but my guess is he was working down the edge of that swamp. Yeah. So, so we got the picture, didn't get the picture of the buck cause the batteries, Yeah. but got the little bear on camera. It's kind of yep. cool. Yep. Lots and lots of bears, a lot of bears. A lot of and bears. Then, well, I talked about this in the podcast already. I didn't talk about it with you guys, but I did see that bear last time I was up here, a bear, which is really cool to see. Um, how would you have reacted, Dad, if you were sitting out here in a bear can walking up on you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably can't say what I would do. <laughs> I feel like you're a little bit more on edge about the bears than I am. Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I won't go in the woods uh, without a weapon. Um, you know, I know that most of the time, you know, especially here, the black bear are uh, probably more afraid of us than we are of them, but... Do I really want to take that chance and be the one time when, you know, I have a pissed off bear? <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get so, that. Um, 
But yeah, we've certainly seen a lot more bear evidence and bear themselves. And we've had some sightings. Our neighbor uh, next to us uh, a couple of years got a, a picture of a bear that he claimed was, and the DNR apparently confirmed it, was a seven, 800 pound bear. I mean, a you know, very large black bear. Um, I'm pretty sure that can't be right in retrospect because I remember seeing numbers of like world record bears. Hmm. Uh, all that to say is we're just going to get an email from someone who's going to say, there's no way that was seven or eight. <laughs> it was a big bear. It was a big bear. We understand. It was a big bear. Yeah. But yeah, we did see also, speaking of big bears though, the sixth largest black bear killed in uh, the state or something that was mm-hmm. recently killed not too far from here. Mm-hmm. So certainly um, history would indicate some big bears around here for Michigan at least. Yeah, and we've had a number of uh, cougar sightings as well and, mm-hmm. you know, animals that have been killed by uh, by them as well. So, yeah, we've got a lot of wildlife. There are some critters. Yep. Yep. So that's been our deer camp as far as deer sightings, animal sightings. Josh, you let us down. Good thing I'm here. Well, <laughs> no. It's almost worse when it's right that close. It's so close, and then you just couldn't make it happen. Oh, uh-huh. It's like you're teasing us. <laughs> that's the story of my, my season. Close, but no cigar yeah i know do you I've had like three different we won't get too much into it now but i've had three different like shooter bucks just not offer me a shot can you give us like the 30 second cliff notes uh 30 second cliff notes um a couple of days before gun season last time hunting one of the properties i have access to in jackson um just a really nice buck was about 70 yards out and coming in and he hit another trail and went went a different direction and i was debating on the tree stand where i was sitting and a tree stand about or setting a a stand about 30 or 40 yards further towards where he came from and if i would have set the stand there i probably would have killed him that night Mm -hmm. got a text message from the other guy that hunts that property on opening day gun season he killed that buck really nice eight pointer that was a bummer um happy for him um, opening day of gun season. Really? Yeah. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't. Get, I mean, that's like the, that's the right thing to it's, say. It's a it's a buck that too. I had no history with. You know, it's you know, it's a it's a property that I have access uh, I with with Corey, and um, you know, I have no history with that buck. And hey, someone someone shoots a good deer, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, no, that's good. I don't get too I worked kid. up about that kind of stuff. Um, opening day, I was hunting with Dustin and. Uh, nice, like a nice 10 point came just sprinting out into the, into this bean field and he's coming out right across. And I looked up and I was like, holy cow, there's a nice buck out. And where did this thing come from? And he was probably like 125 yards out and I grabbed my gun. I was getting ready. And I think what happened is he caught Dustin's scent and then just, he stopped on a dime and went right back the way he came from. And so that, that could have happened if you would have given me another, I don't know, 15 seconds to get settled in on him probably would have had a shot at him i probably would blame dustin well i I should but (laughs) no no and then tonight i mean or uh this morning so i mean that's three opportunities at at good michigan deer that just wasn't quite able and you could even add that north dakota close call yeah with that north dakota yeah came out just a little bit out of range geez that seems just like a whole nother season season ago ago, yeah that seems a long time ago now um but yeah so i mean geez four different four different opportunities this year that just haven't been quite right so that is bow hunting 
Yeah. Deer hunting. Deer hunting. Deer. Good good news is still got, I don't know, a little over a month left and yeah. maybe something will maybe something will come together for me. Yep. So you never we'll know. See. So that's our that's our sad story, I guess. The 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 slow couple days and the tragedy of Josh Hilliard's uh two thousand eighteen deer hunting season. But the good news is that we are enjoying one of the best parts of the deer hunting season right now, which is deer camp. And even without seeing many deer, it is still one of the absolute best times of the year, isn't it? Yep. Sure is. Sure is. I mean, dad, my dad's not a big drinker, <laughs> but he he's having a beer for lunch. He's having Be a beer for dinner. what you say. Your mom's likely to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. He had one uh, O'Doul's. <laughs> And uh, and one of my favorite things we always do is we always stop at the grocery store on the way up here, right? And it is the only guilt-free grocery shopping trip of the year where anything that looks good, you just throw it in there. No questions asked. So we've just been hammering food. Um, like I said, we had chili and we had the deer heart and we had how many cookies and Oreos magic bars. And, and Cheetos and, oh, yeah. Yeah. A diet food. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, all sugar-free stuff. Um, so, so that's where we're at today. But we do we got to go back to what you're talking about, Dad. Go take us back to the beginning. You don't need to talk about you know any specifics as far as location and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, but but walk us through what's the story of um, you know how we ended up here, right? You started hunting with your dad, your brother, and you yeah. started hunting with your dad a long time ago. Um, where did that start, and then how did you guys eventually get to this point? You know, we. Uh, we used to hunt further downstate um, in an area that, you know, my dad knew about because of some friends and, and his uh, brother that had hunted there for a long time. And, um, you know, we'd go there every year. And this is back when I was six, seven, eight years old. And, uh, you know, we'd go there and, and hunting was so different back then, right? You didn't have tree stands. You didn't do all the things we do today. We'd basically find a tree, literally find a big tree. I'd sit on one side, he'd sit on the other. And, you know, the funniest things, we still saw a lot of deer and we killed a lot of deer, you know. I mean, sometimes I wonder what's really changed. But um, that time uh, we hunted uh, public land and in that part of the state, it was really heavily hunted. There was a large deer population, so we saw a lot of deer, but you saw almost as many hunters. And, you know, it was just kind of, it just, you know, it got a little old after a while so one point i think my uncle um had come up uh in this part of the the state and had been hunting up here and told my dad about it and, and told me about this uh you know big chunk of public land and um so and it wasn't real heavily hunted and real thick and so back in the late 60s we started coming up here instead of going to the other place and uh almost immediately started getting deer and you know we we've never had you know we're not talking about you know Boone and Crockett 150s or anything like that but still big deer for Michigan and a lot of deer and um you know this so I'm 8 years old 10 years old and uh uh, my brother, who's 11 months younger than me, we would always compete for who's going to go up with dad to go hunting, you know. Um, and so my dad would take one of us up one weekend and then the other up the following weekend and always had a great time. And back in those days, we were in an old pop-up trailer, you know, nights like tonight when it's, you know, 25 degrees or 20 degrees and you'd be sleeping in a pop-up trailer with just a little kerosene heater to keep it warm. And we're little kids and we're just freezing our butts off, you know. Do you but remember then, in those kind of scenarios – in the moment, did you enjoy it, or was it a situation in the moment you and Steve were just like, 
this is horrible. We're freezing. We you know, it was both. To be perfectly honest, there there were a lot because we also had a little tent set up, a nice fishing shanty set up behind the uh, um, trailer, uh-huh. which is where we did our dude. You know, and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where they did their dude. <laughs> so continue. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, uh, an eight-year-old kid having to wander out there in the middle of the night. And, of course, it had to be away from the trailer. It wasn't right, right next to the trailer, so it was a ways away. And um, that wasn't so great. Um, but uh, and, and this little kerosene heater didn't really keep that, that canvas, you know, tent or the pop-up that we eventually had uh, very warm at all. So we froze our butts off all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was nothing like going in the woods and sitting down in what we called the potholes, which were these, you know, uh, a hardwood stand with really kind of rolling little bumpy hills and stuff that you'd sit in. And that would ran along the uh, swamp. And you see, you know, and Grandpa would, like I said, be on one side and I'd be on the other. And, you know, I'm freezing my butts off. And, you know, he'd wrap us up. And, and what you know, that's the other thing. Clothing has come so far. All we had back then was... You know, a flannel shirt and a red sweatshirt. And, you know, my mom would, would hand knit uh, scarves and hats and gloves for us and that sort of thing. And, and those were great, but they didn't do a whole lot to keep you warm. Yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, you froze. Every once in a while, you know, we, and my dad, was, my dad was really hardcore. So we'd get up in the morning, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. We'd have our two, three cups of coffee. You were, were you well, having not, two, you, three cups of coffee not at 7 you, or 8? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My dad fed me coffee pretty early. <laughs> oh yeah. Uncle Steve, not so much, but I That's I like great. coffee. And uh, and we'd be out in the woods, Explains you know, an hour before it got light, and uh, we'd find our, you know, spot by the one of the trees, and um, and Grandpa also built his own blinds. We'd build ground blinds, and uh, you know, we'd be out there early in the morning, and, and Grandpa, you know, I mean, good good hunting technique. He, you know, you'd have to be really quiet, and you had to be really still. And uh, you always had to be looking, and he'd always encourage us and say, Dave, Dave, look at that. Look at that. Do you see that there? And, you know, there'd be something moving through the woods. And uh, So, you know, going back to your question, Mark, um, there were lots of things about hunting for an 8-year-old that, that you know, weren't all that much fun. Um, you know, it was kind of like that old adage of, if I can remember it, you know, um, incredible periods of boredom accentuated by moments of glory and delight that's yeah. kind of the way deer hunting was for yeah. me you know? I mean, that's how it still is so, today in a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know i there's some of the best memories of my life and being there with grandpa and then just like us we're telling stories all night we're playing cards we always you know at the end of the day we'd usually go in um if we made dinner uh at camp we would but sometimes we'd go into town and have a, a burger or something come back to camp and play poker you know, and so our eight, ten-year-old boys <laughs> and grandpa, you know, we played like everybody else, and he'd teach us the rules of the game. And you and had a few other adults there with you too. Yeah, right? we Usually typically have yeah, typically four friends. or five of us typically would be there. Yeah, and uh, and you know, we just have great stories. Always talking about stories of the camp and stories from people's past and stories from the hunt. And you know, I mean, like you said, Mark, I think you know the ninety um, percent of of the joy of being here is is the camaraderie and and where we are in this beautiful cabin and and being in God's creation and outdoors, you know, and um, being able to relate that and share that with each other. That mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. And and doing that, I think, in the context of really trying to um, find just that right opportunity to kill the big deer. And uh, but you know, Grandpa was also uh, and taught me, and I think we taught you that you know there's a there's a tension and a real respect that we have to have for for our prey and for the deer that we hunt, 
and for um, you know nature that we're part of. And as much as we uh, we want to get that big deer and and put venison on the table, we, there's also you know we love that animal and we love the the privilege that we have for being able to uh, uh, partake in that. Yeah, that's definitely something that it was always really hammered home for me growing up between you and, and GP, Grandpa. Um, just that the the seriousness of what we were doing, it was never something you would do carelessly. Mm-hmm. It was never something that was frivolous in any way. Um, taking an animal's life, as you said, was something to 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 respect and to, to do with as much care as possible. Um, something that I never got to experience, or at least never um, could remember, was was what Grandpa was like in the moment. You know, um, after having shot a deer. And walking up on it or something like that. Do you remember any experiences? You know, what was what was he like in that moment? Because oh. as a kid, I can remember him just being so serious. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it was it was just very very serious. Whether well, it, I've never it seen was. him um, really express like joy or anything. Yeah. Over something like that. You, um, you never saw would, Grandpa's face thirty seconds after he shot a deer. Never seen that. What and, what was that like? And what was oh. the, yeah? Tell me about tell me, tell us. Yeah. Well, so I'll tell you one story. Uh, I can tell you a lot, a lot of different stories. And these are all when I was 10 years old, 12 years old, you know, young. And typically grandpa would have, uh, we'd sit with him. We'd, we'd go during hunting season, either myself or, or my brother, Steve, would be out uh, with, with uh, dad. And we had a, like you mentioned, Mark, we had a group of uh, my dad's friends that we also went hunting with. And <clears throat> they were great. So that uh, I would hunt with one of them and Steve would hunt with the other. And again, we'd just usually, sometimes we'd have a blind that we'd make, but a lot of times we'd just walk through the woods, find a place where we see runs coming through, where the evidence looked positive, and we'd sit. And uh, uh, and yeah, Grandpa was real serious about his hunting. But, you know, I can think of one time in particular, and it was just on the other side. This is before we got the cabin, but in the same area as I was kind of um, walking through my story. I didn't get that far, but anyway, um, so over off the oil road, we were back and back off the, maybe a couple hundred yards, two, 300 yards from the road back in a swamp. And, um, we'd been there all day, all morning with it. And I remember, um, that morning as, uh, the snow started to fall and really big flakes, you know, the half inch, inch size flakes, just, just floating down through the sky and covering everything. And you know how you kind of get that, uh, um, that hush that, that falls yeah. over the landscape. Dampening. Yeah. I mean, it's just really snow. kind of surreal almost. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, you know, and I, <laughs> I did as much sleeping out in the woods <laughs> as I did looking. Some things <laughs> never change. Still, yeah. <laughs> still do, <don't> man. <laughs> So I'm having a good nap, you know, and, and suddenly Grandpa reaches over real quietly and just bumps my shoulder and says, Dave, 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 wake up. I see something. And so I wake up, you know, and of course I had to be really careful not to, you know, make any noise or anything like that. And he points and, and I see this deer just kind of just slunking his way through the pines and working his way towards it with his head down. And um, he's coming closer and closer and Grandpa brings up his rifle and puts it on his shoulder and, you know, and says, Dave, be quiet, be really quiet watch pulls a trigger and this darn deer it turns out that this deer had a really atypical set of antlers and one of the antlers is about 10 inches long a perfect spike pointing straight forward and it ran right at us at a full run (laughs) (laughs) and just just 10 yards 15 yards maybe 10 yards i mean it was really close um Grandpa shot again, 
and the the deer just veered off to the right, literally a few yards from us. And uh, so there was a combination of the really cool experience and getting the deer and kind of feeling like we just missed being skewered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, another story real quickly, and I'll let you continue. Well, Mark, you never you never told us about how Grandpa expressed himself afterwards. Well, he, what what's he, he do? Grabbed me and said, "Dave, we got it, we got it," and jumped up and down, and his big smile across his face. And like you said, Grandpa's a pretty serious guy, and uh, those were the times when we got our deer, um, or when we went fishing, and when we were when we were doing outdoor. Um, hunting or fishing activities, those are the times when I really saw the real grandpa because that's when he could be really um, relaxed and really enjoy himself and really seemed like that was uh, when he was the happiest, and I saw that that day. Hmm. Okay, so your next story. Well, so real quickly, um, kind of going back to the, you know, the my brother and I, uh, I don't remember how old I was, again, maybe 10, 12 years old, and uh, Grandpa had gone up with Uncle Steve. This so is the twofer story. Yeah, this is the twofer story. All right, yeah. good. I've been waiting so for they, this one. <laughs> so this is back on the oil road on the other side of the oil road. And um, again, late November, it had been snowing. Um, I think Grandpa had to go to some um, uh, academy he had to go to in Massachusetts. So he wasn't able to be there for open opening day. So we went up uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. And uh, that weekend, or maybe it was the middle weekend, I guess, because uh, Uncle Steve went with him. And so they went up. Again, we had the camper, stayed in the camper. They went out into the pines and uh, came home that night with the biggest deer I've ever seen. And Uncle Steve's all excited, big, big eight point. Um, you know, by today's standards, probably three and a half, maybe a four-year-old deer. I mean, it was a big deer for, for up here. Uncle Steve's so excited, and he's jumping all around, and he's bragging, you know, like he would about, yeah, I got a deer. Look at this one. You know, he's walking up to the side. We've got movies of him, you know, walking up to the bottom of the deer. Because we hung our, we always hung our deer in the garage, and then typically we'd come back around a few days later, and we'd skin them, and we'd bone them out ourselves and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little older than Steve, so, of course, not only am I jealous, but I'm kind of thinking, hey, I'm the oldest. I should have gone first, you know? Right. <laughs> what, what gives? <laughs> so Grandpa felt bad, so... You know, and I keep saying to him, hey, Dad, you know, let's go up. We're going to go hunting, right? We're going to get our own eight point, right? And he's thinking to himself, well, how can I do that? There's no way I can, you know, top this. Well, so the following weekend, we went back up. And again, I'm, you know, continuing to hound him. And I'm continuing to say, man, I'm so excited. This is great, Dad. We're going to get another big deer, right? And he's kind of, you know, kind of thinking, well, sure, Dave, we're, we're going to do our best. Was, but it, remember, yeah, was he hedging a little bit? Oh, he was definitely yeah. hedging. So, <laughs> so we get back up. And we went back almost to the same spot. Um, I don't know why we went to the same area. But it was along a, a little bit of a field and a swamp on one side and um, um, hardwood and then pines kind of a... Um, you know, kind of a, a half square, a square kind of a configuration. We're walking down the edge of the swamp, and suddenly I hear Grandpa say, Dave, Dave, get down. We were walking, okay? So didn't really expect to see much in the way of deer at that point. And uh, so I went down, and, you know, he brings up his rifle and goes, Dave, it's a deer looks just like the one I shot last week. Must be his brother. You know, so I'm all excited. I'm, you know, and, and I think dad was just, or grandpa was just shaking. I mean, you, you could just tell he was, he was really excited, but also kind of, it's the surreal thing. Like, how can this happen twice in a week, you know? But he 
you know, again, he put the beat on and pulled the trigger, and we ended up uh, bringing home two big eight points, or the, the second eight point for two, um, in a week time and hung it up right next to the second. And the thing, it, it literally looked like the other deer's brother. About the same size, about the same size rack, almost the same configuration. Um, two beautiful deer. And I got the, the opportunity to say, hey, I told you, <laughs> to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Must have felt good. It did. It did. It was great. That's awesome. That's fun. Yeah, it's funny. Um, speaking of always hanging your deer in the garage, Grandma always likes to tell a story about how um, she used to be appalled by that all the time. Like the smell of it made her sick. And then the smell of cooking venison. Mm-hmm. She cooked venison your whole a life lot. growing oh, yeah. up, right? Made a oh, lot yeah. of venison. But she yep. always talks now about how she can't stand the smell of it. Yeah. And how when she was pregnant, and I guess she was pregnant, you know, she had three kids. And mm-hmm. she always talked about how whenever she was pregnant, it would make her cry. She'd cry because the smell was so horrible. Is that is that right? Am I remembering You know, that, right? that must have happened before, before I can remember because I don't remember that. I mean, Grandma uh, was a great cook, and Grandma would make uh, venison chop suey and venison barbecue and venison. I mean, she just came up with all these great ways to make venison. And like you said, we had venison for almost every meal, many, many meals. And the meals we didn't have venison, we'd have, you know, lake trout or coho or whatever because we, we ate a lot of game. And Grandma got really good at cooking all of that. Um, now, I think there's something to be said that you tend to like your, your mom's cooking better than whether, whether it's good or not. Right. But I think in Grandma's case, it really was good and is good. And uh, uh, I loved it. As a matter of fact, I keep uh, nagging her because I want her to make chop suey again, venison chop suey. She hasn't made that in 30 years. And uh, I really miss that. You got you to gotta give her some venison. I do. I do. The um, way things are going, I'm going to have to give her some of your venison. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, hopefully we can change that soon. Um, so continue with uh, the original line of the story, though. So you guys had yeah. started, you started hunting this northern public land. You had some great experiences. One of the stories you didn't mention, though, was when you guys were always sleeping in the pop-up camper mm-hmm. and how your brother one time, you know, there's the beds on either side yeah. of the camper, right, that stick out, and then it sounds like there was kind of canvas walls that yeah. weren't were yeah. very loosely attached. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he roll one day yeah far enough over the edge of the bed and the canvas wall unattached and he rolled right out of the camper <laughs> yeah right? yeah yeah he did now that one actually happened up in canada when we were up on a fishing trip in canada oh, really? but yeah yeah i you, always thought that was here it may have happened a couple of times but the one i'm thinking <laughs> of happened up in canada and yeah so we're all looking around for steve where's steve it turns out steve's outside <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we got a lot of stories. But, yeah, going back to how we found this place, we, uh, we'd we always come up here every year. We'd come up, and, and it's just like just like you guys do, right? We were, we would come up in uh, June and July and August and scout and, you know, dream about the season and talk about our plans and talk about all the things we're going to do. And, you know, we're going to try this and going to try this technique, and we're going to go over here and so on and so forth. But we, you know, we were always hunting public land, and, um, and the land was was much more um, heavily hunted back then than it is today. And especially when I mentioned the uh, oil wells and the drillers that came in and and split things out and um, really, really improved the the habitat for the deer in many respects. But, uh, but again, one time we were, uh, we have a stream that runs right through the middle of this property, this um, area of state land that we were hunting. And we followed that stream one time through um, some lowlands in the swamp, in a big swamp. When I say swamp, in a lot of down trees, big down trees, big uh, um, uh, 
uh, spruces and and conifers and that sort of thing. Um, very difficult terrain to get through, especially as a kid. Okay, so this is back in in you know the uh, early sixties or late sixties, early seventies. But we'd still kind of make our way through. And I remember one time. It, it would be an hour, maybe two hours of trudging our way through, and we came across this little opening, came through the opening after we got across the stream, and we saw this cabin. And we're looking at this cabin, and, and it was just it was all by itself in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing around it. Um, and at that time, it, it, we didn't even see the road or the little two-track that went to it. And we kind of walked around, and I said, boy, this is really cool. Wouldn't you love to have that? And, uh, uh, you know, kind of. Joked about it a little bit. It was obviously somebody else's, and we didn't want to bother it at all, so we just went back in the woods and hunted. Well, um, 10 years later, my dad ended up retiring early, and um, you know he was looking to, to get some property up here and that sort of thing. And he happened to be looking in the classifieds and saw that, this, that there was a, a cabin that was for sale, a place for sale, very close to the public land that we used to hunt. So we came up and checked it out, and it turned out to be the same cabin that we saw as we walked through that one time. And uh, I was in a little bit of disrepair. Um, the, the owners, the current owners of it had had it, uh, it was originally built in 1958. As a matter of fact, there's a little bit of interesting, uh, uh, history to this land, the property that we have. So we have 40 acres that's kind of embedded in 8,000 acres of state land. And, uh, but this area used to be, um, uh, cattle farmed back in the 18th century. And, uh, one of the things that my dad has is a, a deed, the history of all the deeds as was turned from generation to generation. And the, one of the deeds was signed by Abraham Lincoln back hmm. in 1864 wow. or something like that. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit kind of an interesting history to it, but at any rate, um, uh, the, uh, we ended up, uh, uh, the current owner of the property, his wife was ill. He was looking to sell it. My dad made an offer, and it ended up being a really good thing on both sides. He wanted to sell it for a good price. My dad was you know, was really eager to get the property, and um, we did a lot of work to it because it was in pretty bad disrepair at the time. But, you know, as you've probably described in the past, Mark, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a 16 by 24 uh, log cabin, knotty pine interior, really, really simple, propane lights. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing fancy at all, but big fieldstone fireplace in the middle. Um, but for us, it's, it's just got so many memories. And so we've hunted, and that was 1985 when we bought the cabin and uh, did a lot of work to it, put it in a shed, did some other things, and we've hunted here ever since. Before moving on, let's take a quick break to thank our partners at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Ben Harshine, a land specialist out of Iowa. And Ben is going to be talking to us about buying a property with the intentions of hunting whitetails as well as having cattle. Well, I think that uh, you can only get so far if you want to have great hunting and and have cattle. Um, in my area, I really don't have... Uh, too many cattle operations in my area of expertise, but what I've seen, uh, and I've hunted some, some cattle ground uh, here, I think uh, the most important part would be to separate where your pastures are and where the cows are, are, are mainly going to spend most of their time versus where you want to hunt. If you, can, if you can have timber that's actually fenced off from that pasture, uh, that's going to allow the timber to, to get nice and thick and, and, and separate those two environments between the whitetails and, and the cattle. Uh, a lot of guys will say that that uh, you know cows don't affect big deer, and and you know, I think it's really case by case. But uh, I do know that whenever cattle are pastured in the timber, that uh, 
keeps the undergrowth and uh, the first, uh, you know, say three or four feet of, of important growth for a whitetail that keeps that trimmed down. So most uh, timber that's pastured uh, is, is not ideal whitetail habitat. So uh, if somebody is really looking to, to buy a farm and, and they want to run cows, uh, I would try to find something, you know, and, and have good hunting. I would try to find something where those two are separated with good fencing. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Ben currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Harshine. That's H-A-R-S-H-Y-N-E. So do you do you remember then, and this is what I can't remember. I'm trying to remember your first gun or your first deer. Mm-hmm. Did that happen at Kenrovin or did that happen pre-Kenrovin? Pre-Kenrovin. Pre-Kenrovin. Yeah. And, Ken Robbins, what we call our camp. Right. Sorry. Um, so can you walk us through that store? So that was back yeah. on the public land then, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was over on, off the oil road again. And I was uh, 16 years old, I guess. I had uh, I had bought my first gun, which was uh, um, over and under 410-22, which I was really proud of, right? Uh, really cool gun. And I used to, uh, like I said, I used to hunt with Grandpa until I turned 14, and then I started hunting on my own. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> either because Grandpa wanted to make sure that you know he was fair to all the all the kids or or whatever, but uh, uh, my sister Sue would come and hunt with me for a lot of that time. And so Sue is seven years younger than me, and uh, and she's a real trooper, right? <laughs> she would she get bundled up and you know all the scarfs and the sweatshirts and the you know the cheap uh, Walmart boots and all the other things that you know frankly it was really hard to get clothing and and that sort of thing for uh, for adults much less kids at that time that was really warm, but uh, for kids it was really tough. You just had to kind of find snowsuits and that sort of thing and and uh, bundle them up as best you could. So Susie was bus, uh, bundled up and and so was I. But anyway, so I can remember one time we're out hunting. Can I, can I put a time out here? Yeah. So why did you get stuck taking your little sister out? <laughs> <laughs> well, your, that's what I've been trying to figure but out. Your dad. So, so your dad just eventually was like, right, I'm just going to pawn her off on uh-huh. them now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Did Steve ever have to take her? I, you know, I don't think so. I think uh, either I was the nice one. Never figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> she probably would say that I wasn't. But at any rate, um, so like I say, I was 16, had my over and under uh, 41022. And your seven-year-old sister. And my seven. Uh, yeah. So or Susie would have been. She yeah, she would have been nine at that nine, time. Okay. And um, so she's hunting with me, and we're going off the old road back by the uh, the river, the stream that runs through that that area of the of the property. Real, um, it was I think it was opening morning, either, either opening morning or maybe the day after. One of those really beautiful um, early mid November days, um, really cold and crisp. The you know you could see for a long way. I was sitting in uh, on a kind of a, a, a mound underneath a, a clump of pine trees, big pine trees, looking off over the the stream to my uh, my front to the left, and then behind us was uh, the swamp. And um, I remember it really clearly because we're there. Susie's next to me. 
kind of behind me, and and she, Susie Susie was a real trooper, but she wasn't a really good sitter. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so part of the reason why Susie would probably say that I wasn't a really good hunter with her was I constantly was telling her to be quiet, sometimes using stronger language. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd get mad at me, and I'd get mad at her, and so on and so forth. Well, anyway, so we're sitting there, and um, Grandpa had dropped us off maybe an hour, hour and a half before, and we've been sitting there a long time. And it's, again, a real cool, crisp November morning. And you could hear the one of those mornings when you could hear the deer because the leaves were so crispy and, and that sort of thing. And lo and behold, about 9 o'clock in the morning, I remember it as, as if it was yesterday, um, I hear this crashing out to my right. And... Uh, you know, I immediately bring up my rifle. I had a nice scope on my, my rifle, or my 410. Brought it up and, and pointed it in the direction of the crashing because I really couldn't see because it was behind the uh, the brush and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I kind of could tell there were multiple deer back there. And suddenly I started seeing flashes and white, you know, the tails and that sort of thing coming through. So I just brought my gun over to, a, to an opening. And the whole time I'm saying to Susie, Susie, be real quiet. I see there's some deer going through. And she goes, Okay, right, Dave. Sure, sure. They're still coming through. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, put my put my um, scope in, looking through this opening, and literally in in a second or so, this nice big five point steps right into the to the opening, and and it was just you know one of those things. I just brought the crosshairs on his shoulder, pulled the trigger. He ran. The funny part is. Susie immediately stood up and started beating me, saying, you killed a fawn. <laughs> and I look over and I said, I didn't shoot a fawn. <laughs> so, she, so what I think happened is there was a group of deer, and she thought I was shooting at one of the other deer. In fact, I was shooting another. But, uh, you know, he ran 50 <laughs> yards, and uh, Grandpa came over, and we, um, you know, we were really big and, and letting the deer sit and lay and, and bleed out and that sort of thing. So I went, you know pick up and run again so you know a few minutes later we walked over and there it was nice big deer and uh and sue and i of course by that time susie realized what had happened and we're celebrating and you know really cool thing and gosh i got a chance to shoot a deer with my brother kind of thing so last time i think susie went in the woods (laughs) (laughs) she didn't she didn't stick with it huh no she didn't no but she was a real trooper i mean just the fact that she was out there with us and you know with a bunch of guys so it was five or six guys in a you know in a trailer and um you know nine-year-old little girl was was out there with us and and putting up with all the all the guy stuff and the poker and the cold night with a kerosene heater and, you know, the outdoor latrine and all this other stuff. She did really well. Yeah. So you guys got the cabin. Yep. Years later. Yeah. How did stuff change after – did things change? Do you feel like did the did the camp change? Did the culture change? Did the hunting change? What was different after that point? Yeah, I think it changed a lot for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, up until that point we were, we were a little like uh, – you know, like wanderers. I mean, we, we had our areas where we'd like to hunt, and we kind of scouted them, and we knew them, but they really weren't our own. And at any given time, you could go to some place that was your favorite hunting spot, and there'd be somebody else sitting there, right? I mean, that's that's how hunting is, especially on public land. And um, But once we had our own property, and, and like I said, we have 40 acres that's adjacent to and kind of embedded in 8,000 acres of public land. And that public land... You can't get to that public land except going through the private property. So it's really pretty pretty private. 
And um, uh, so it was really nice to be able to, you know, build permanent blinds. This is before the time of, you know, tree blinds and stuff, tree stands. But, um, you know, to be able to scout and, and have some confidence that you could hunt the areas that you're scouting and that you're, you know, you could start being more strategic about your hunting. You could, tire, you know, start doing those kinds of things. So I think it changed a lot. And then, of course, having a cabin to stay in every night and, uh, you know, with a nice big fireplace and a stove and all the other things made a, a world of difference as far as the comfort. And, 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 you know, having a deer camp, having a place to call our own as modest as it is, and it is very modest, uh, was really nice. Yeah. Did you guys have a buck pole? At, uh, yeah. Did you guys make yeah. a temporary buck pole? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. And we have a buck pole that we, we made uh, less temporary, more permanent. Um, we, you know, there are many times we'd have two, three, four deer hanging from that buck pole, as you know. Um, and one of the stories that I remember is uh, you had to be, so, so I'm going to go back and Mark, so we had the cabin, obviously, when Mark uh, started coming up here. And um, uh, so Mark was born in 87. Uh, Mark started coming up here in probably 90, so about three years old. Um, those first couple of years, and, and Mark was just, I mean, he just um, adored my dad, right? And he looked up to him and, and hopefully me to some extent. But my dad was really kind of the, the patriarch of the family and the patriarch of hunting camp, right? And he was the one who told all the stories about, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, the the hunting up, up here, the things we used to do, the, all the things we saw and all the hunting trips up here. And then uh, KT, remember KT, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you tell that story. <laughs> well, KT, it's, I don't think we, maybe we, I don't think we told this story last year, did we, Josh? No, I don't think so. I don't know this one. So KT. Um, well, which stands for Ken Rovantilly. Ken Rovantilly. I don't know where yeah. GP came I, up with I don't know stuff. where I came up with <laughs> But you know what's funny is I, I as I sit back and like try to think about why I am the way I am in a lot of ways, I do think that GP was the storyteller mm-hmm. of the family, right? Yeah. He was always a storyteller. I think that probably rubbed off on me. And one of the stories he always used to tell me was about KT. And I don't remember what her name was originally, um, but it was this young girl who went out hunting with her dad right here. She went out hunting out here, this local, and her and her dad went out hunting on opening day and... They went out sitting, and it was one of those nights where it was, like, really cold and snowy and everything, but you could tell there was a front blowing in. You're sitting there, and there's a, there's a noise, and this deer comes walking out, and, and Dad shoots the, shoots the buck, gets the deer, and the deer runs off, though. But for whatever reason, uh, KT's dad says, well, hey, you stay right here. I'm going to go get the buck. You just stay here. Don't leave this log. And when he leaves that log and leaves KT, and her name is, I don't know, Karen, maybe we'll call her, Karen sits on the log. Dad goes to look for the buck, but it ran off out of distance. Well, as soon as he leaves, that front pushes through, and it starts snowing, and it's snowing and snowing and snowing. And the dad never does find that buck, but he tries to come back to find Karen, and he can't find Karen either. And he walks all over the place, can't find Karen, goes back to town, gets the locals. The locals come out, and they walk and walk and walk, and they can never find Karen again. Well, Karen had been lost out there in the woods and she ended up wondering what happened to dad and she starts walking around trying to find him and she's lost in the snow and she ends up getting really cold and scared obviously she's like seven years old or something and um she you know and i'm kind of paraphrasing and and embellishing embellishing a little bit as as i remember (laughs) the story um but as i remember the story going in one way or another i can't remember if she got cold and she snuggled up into a hole or what happened but but one way or another, this little baby girl got um, found by a pack of coyotes, and the pack of coyotes 
adopted her <laughs> and took care of her. <laughs> and uh, little Karen grew up with the coyotes mm-hmm. and uh, became the, the wolf lady of the woods out here. <laughs> yeah. But she never forgot Ken Rovin. She never forgot Ken Rovin. And so uh, she she then became Ken Rovin Tilly. <laughs> what's what's so, Tilly? So, so what's Grandpa, Tilly? <laughs> Grandpa used to, when when, uh, when Mark was young, he used to say, you know, Mark, be really careful because sometimes in the middle of the night, if you look out one of the windows, you'll see, Kent, you'll see KT looking up with her hands up on the window, looking in, trying to find out, trying to get in to get the warm, you know, the warmth by the fireplace. Yeah, so KT, <laughs> at this point, by the time I was seven or eight years old, uh-huh. KT was an old lady that ran around. Yeah, on, right. She right, ran around on all fours with long gray hair. <laughs> And so yeah, I would I would sit here. These used to be a this used to be a couch, my favorite couch, until my dad took it, threw it away the other year, which I will still not forgive you for. <laughs> now it's a lousy cot. Um, but this big window right across the way, I would always sleep here, and that window was right in front of me. And every night, I'd be afraid to look out that window because I just knew that KT would be staring in at me. <laughs> and one time, I was sitting here by myself for some reason. All you guys were gone, and I was in here by myself, and it was just about dark. Maybe for some reason I hadn't gone hunting one night, but everybody else did, and I stayed in here, so it was like last light. And it's that edge of daylight in the evening where a dark shape can morph into anything, you know? Like you see that sometimes when you're sitting out there in the morning, and it's just about daylight, but at this point, like, is that a deer coming? And then it finally becomes daylight, and you realize it's a bush, or it's, you know, something that's obviously not a deer. What was that time of night? And I swore, I mean, I swore KT was sitting here at the edge of the pines, about 70 yards away, standing in the corner, just kind of almost like a coyote sitting on his haunches. That's what she was doing. And you can see this long gray hair and looking right at me. And I I just <laughs> I remember running back to the couch and burying my head in the couch and not wanting to move till you guys got back. You, you know, um, I just figured I was 18 out. years old and, you know, it was a bad night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably so, seven or eight. I think I figured something out. I, I think I now know why um, your Aunt Sue never came back up hunting. Oh, because the KT stories, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. All right, um, can I ask a question? Yeah. I feel like I should know this, and I feel like I probably did know this at one time, but Kelly asked me, where does Ken Roven come from? Mm. Where does the name of the camp come from? Yeah. And I couldn't answer. I I, got, I can't remember. Dead? Well, <laughs> I wish I could say for sure, but I think... I know why for sure. Do you know? Yeah, I do. Well, why don't you say? I, well, okay. The what, the story I know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but the story I know is that there is a fishing lodge mm-hmm. off of a river around here. Uh, I think it's Pier Marquette or some other river. And um, he had flowed to the river and fished by it and knew yep. of this lodge and seen it, and it was called... Your grandpa? My grandpa, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And the lodge is called Dunrovin. And when they bought this place, he thought, you know, you got to have a name for this place. And that kind of popped in his head, and he liked that name Dunrovin. So he's like, well, why not just take Kenyon and Dunrovin and put them together, and he called yeah. it Kenrovin. Yep. That's the story I know as well. Okay. Yep. yep. So that's what I've heard. And, and for your uh, your listeners, so we have coming into our, our camp, we have this big, um, you know, western ranch-style entryway that used to have this big, um, I don't know, maybe six, seven foot wide by a foot or two deep um, sign hanging from it with uh, big wooden letters spelling Kenroven. So it made a real kind of unique kind of setting as you came in. And, you know, we're a ways off any road. We're half a mile off of many roads and just a little tiny two track with nobody else around us. So it's really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, 
So where the heck were we before that? Oh, so so we talked about KT, talked about how we got the name. You, but you okay? Yeah, yeah. So what I was curious about, you were starting to talk a little bit about when I started coming up here. Yeah. And that was something that I'm always curious to hear a little bit more about. So you yeah. said I was about three when I started coming up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. those first few years, um, so we had built a blind out uh, north of of our uh, property, out maybe three four hundred yards uh, on the edge of the swamp. And uh, and we built it. It was a ground blind, but it was a really nice blind. So it was you know it was pretty well built up and um, with uh, walls that you know provided some cover and then and a and a top. Grandpa was really big into tops, so we always had top covered, uh, which was kind of nice, a little bit like a we, condo. We, we, I feel like we need to paint this picture a little bit better though, because today when people think ground blinds, yeah, ground blinds are much different than a Kenyan ground right. blind. <laughs> <laughs> Ground blinds now are like fiberglass manufactured <laughs> yeah. beautiful buildings. This the ground blinds of the Kenyan that. household were um, usually maybe now he did he would put a few like uh, four by four posts in mm. the ground, yeah. and then sometimes there'd be like a strip of metal across the top or like some yeah. Pla- uh, corrugated plastic, corrugated or plastic, plastic right the yeah. on the top, and yeah. then he'd like to use like astroturf carpeting. <laughs> they would go around the wall, so your walls would be astroturf and carpeting. And he'd spray, spray paint it. He'd spray paint it with black paint. And then for some reason, then he would take gutter mesh, the metal uh-huh. gutter yep. Uh, yep. fencing yep. or whatever that is, and he yep. put that all over the top and bottom of the window uh-huh. openings. Yeah. Um, Which you couldn't see through. You couldn't see through. There's a little <laughs> gap, obviously, for you to shoot through, but I think I think he wanted to add that there. Mm-hmm. My assumption is that it was somewhat see-through for you, mm-hmm. but it would break up your outline for the deer, which right. I get. Right. Um, and then sometimes he'd put like a chain link curtain almost for the entryway. Like that's what's on his blind. <laughs> no, you know what those were? Those were fireplace screens. Oh, fireplace screens. Uh, yeah. That's what they were. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so that is the gr- type of ground blind that we're talking. And those those are the top end ground blinds. We had we yeah. had lower end ground blinds, but these are the top end ground blinds. Had the astroturf carpet. So we had a top end ground ground blind that yes. uh, we had built, and it was a as a twofer. So we intentionally built it so we could put two chairs on there and that sort of thing with the intention of sometimes grandpa would hunt with, uh, you know, either uh, my sister, if my sister came up or, or some of the young cousins and that sort of thing. And this, and is before as, you, this is after your sister. Yeah, this is after the sister. Yeah. But anyway, um, but this is big enough for, for you. And uh, so the, the first memory I have of Mark, um, you know, hunting with me is, is getting into this blind. He's about three years old. We got him all bundled up and, you know, clothing improved a little bit then. So we had some better clothing and that sort of thing and some boots. We bought Sorrells from Meyer or whatever. And um, we brought a bag of uh, toys, you know, to kind of keep Mark entertained. And I remember those, this was really happening for the first season or two that, uh, you know, got in there. He's really excited to get out in the woods. And he's sitting next to me and he's asking me questions. Dad, you know, what do I do now? And where do I look? And so on and so forth. And within about, you know, we talked. And about within about half an hour or so, Mark's on the bottom of the ground in front of the, you know, in the blind, playing with the toys and <laughs> playing airplanes. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's really funny is that's what Josh still does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you, that changed. So, you know, and, and, and Mark just always loved being part of deer camp. And I can't re- can't forget, um, it was about that age, maybe four, and uh, we had a particularly successful year. We had three deer hanging on the, on the buck pole. And, um, uh, three deer? Yeah, three deer, yeah. One or two of them were pretty good size, pretty good size bucks. Hmm. 
And, uh, you know, Mark, I've got, you've got movies of this, of Mark walking out in his, you know, flame orange uh, sweatshirt and bundled up. You know, he looks like a little, like a Michelin man in, dressed in orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's walking underneath the deer, you know, and he's pointing up at them and he's looking up. And, you know, you could just tell. when We'd all be inside the cabin, you know, playing poker and that sort of thing. Mark, we'd, Mark would disappear. And we'd go outside. Where's Mark? We'd go out with a flashlight and shine around, and here's Mark standing under the deer, <laughs> you know, looking up at the deer, and you know, I can just imagine he's thinking, you know, I'm going to shoot me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, but you know, the, the the real seminal moment for me, the, the the time when I knew that it was all over for me, was about oh maybe five years later. Mark was maybe nine years old, maybe ten, and we're actually back in the same same place, same blind. And uh, uh, it was another cold morning. Uh, Mark and I were hunting together. You know, Mark's a little bigger, a um, little, little louder. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so this particular time, we're in the woods, um, and we're hunting, and we're out there. And, and you know, f- for whatever reason, um, you know, Mark had gotten pretty aggressive. And at that <laughs> point, what? <laughs> I've gotten pretty aggressive. You know, he's, he's, uh, what does that mean? You know, you know, he's, he's been reading. He thinks he knows everything there is to know about deer hunting, you know. And so he's telling me about, you know, you know, Dad, you have to make sure you do this and you make sure you do that. And he's eight years old or nine years old, okay? <laughs> By the way, something's never changed. Yeah, have you hunted with him now? Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget. So, so uh, you know, um, I, I have a vision challenge. So for me, it's sometimes hard to see things distance, right? So I'm there, and we're hunting, and, and Mark, suddenly Mark kind of, you know, jabs me in the side and says, Dad, 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 there's a deer coming right through there. And so I, okay, and, I'm, and of course, I'm, you know, I still think I'm a father. So I said, okay, Mark, you know, be really quiet. And he goes, Dad, I'm quiet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and, and Mark says, Dad, he's, he's getting closer. Dad, he's, he's right behind the tree. Well, then it, it's a buck. It wasn't a deer. It was a buck. buck. Yeah, it was a big buck, yeah. And it was the first and, buck that we had ever seen together while hunting. Right. Right. And, and I, for whatever reason, I just didn't see it. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, brought my rifle up and I was pointing in the wrong direction because I didn't see the deer and it wasn't making any noise. And Mark's just finally, after about 10 minutes of this no, deer sneaking its way minutes. through. Well, whatever. It, probably, it felt like 10 minutes. It felt like, it felt like longer <laughs> to me. <laughs> so finally, you could just see the virtual Mark puts his hands on his hips and says, okay, dad, just give me the gun. I'll <laughs> And I did. I mean, I did. I was like, I remember being like, Dad, just give me the gun. Just give me the gun. Dad, just give me the gun. Um, and you wouldn't give me the gun. Um, you were eight years old. <laughs> and I remember coming back to camp. And, and as my older self now looking back on it, I feel really bad about it, actually. Um, I imagine you probably felt bad about the situation. Mm-hmm. And then you have your little snot-nosed punk eight-year-old son come back to camp and tell everyone, well, we saw this buck. Dad, yeah. couldn't, Dad yeah. couldn't see it. Dad couldn't see the buck. I tried telling him the buck's right there, and I wanted to get it. He wouldn't give me the gun. couldn't see it. So if I were you, I, would, I wouldn't have been surprised. You could have just knocked me over the head, and I probably deserved it. Um, but I do remember that. And I remember I can, I can see exactly where that buck walked through in my mind's eye right now. Well, but there's um, another, another seminal moment. So there's, there's these things that, you know, just like you have kind of milestones in your life which you, that you think about it, the whole world changed when you got to that milestone. Mm-hmm. So that, that event with the, with the, gee, dad, just give me the gun, I'll shoot. That was one of those <laughs> seminal moments. Okay. But there was another one. I mean, yeah. It was actually a little bit before that, maybe six, maybe seven. So always to that point. 
you know, I would lead the way as we went into the woods. I would forge the trail, and I'd find my way through the brush and back to the blind, and Mark would diligently and dutifully follow me. Well, something happened around seven years old. He decided he wanted to lead. (laughs) 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 And suddenly, instead of me saying, Mark, now you've got to be really quiet, you know, make sure to look for a deer. Mark was saying, Dad, you're too loud. You've got to be really quiet. Look for deer, Dad. <laughs> I knew it was all over. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't remember what I remember, but I do remember at some point after the gun, give me the gun incident. It was sometime after that incident when I, well, I don't even know. I don't remember when it was that I remember, but at some point it definitely the role shifted in my mind where, where it went from you telling me what to do to me telling you what to do. And it definitely was before it probably should have. And so, yeah, I just, God, Dad coughs so loud. He sniffles so loud. He moves so loud. He moves too much. Something's haven't changed. No. Oh, man. But, but yeah, a few... A few of these moments that stand out to me, I definitely remember the give me a gun incident. And then you talked about that when I was standing out there looking at the buck pole. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the year I remember was the year that I've told, I've told this story many times on the podcast. So everybody probably knows the story, but it was 1995. It was the year that GP shot his big seven pointer, mm. the, oh, biggest, yeah. the biggest yep. buck that's on the wall right now. And that's the year I remember walking out and recovering that buck in the snow. And then there's the two big bucks on the buck pole. And I remember that year looking at those just for days just going mm-hmm. out there and standing looking um but um you know and the other thing i say mark just just another thought you know you were always a really important part of deer camp for us so you know i guess one of the one of the call outs i'd make to all the listeners is you know bring your kids with you it is such a it's such an important thing to have your kids be part of the experience and uh, i think for you um for us you know this group of men multi-generational group you know five six seven of us um some of us you know as old as 65 70 years old probably at that point and then there was you and um and i think that just the it it brought freshness and the spirit and the joy of hunting because you're passing it on to the next generation and you see you see the excitement and the um uh, just the the fascination that a young person has as they're they're going out in the woods and they're shooting their first deer and they're experiencing all these things. I just can't say how important that is enough. Yeah, we we did a podcast a couple months ago, me and two of my friends, um, talking about introducing your kids to the outdoors and Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, help create a new hunter. Mm -hmm. And all of us were speaking um, far ahead of our turns because I had only been a dad for like five months at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. one friend had only been a dad for like five or six years. Another guy had been a dad for 10 years. Um, so they hadn't, they hadn't had a successful end result yet. You raised a son who really got into hunting mm-hmm. so much so that his whole life basically revolves around it now. So you really won that one. You figured that out. So what do you think you did right when it came to raising uh, a young kid to become a hunter that maybe you could pass on to folks that would hope to do the same. Do you remember the uh, what I used to say? Feed the habit. Feed the habit. Feed yep. the habit. What did that mean? Well, you <laughs> you were de- you had a you had a tough love um, way of raising me in a lot of ways, and it was really important to you um, that I had to work for just about everything. Right, you weren't mm-hmm. going to give me a car. You weren't going to give me this. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it was, like most I had your to work college for. education. Yep, yep. 
So nothing, <coughs> very few things were given to me easily. But one thing that I was spoiled on was hunting or fishing gear because you said there was one thing that you wanted to feed the habit. That was something that you thought was really positive, that you thought was productive for me to be a, to be spending my time doing. So that was one area where you would, um, if I showed an interest and really wanted to get involved with something, you would definitely make sure that that could happen. You know, and I think the other thing we try to do is we always try to buy um, decent gear because I think one of the one of the things that I remember going back to my childhood, um, you know, tromping through the woods with clothing that was just terrible clothing to be out in the woods with right i mean i got cold almost as soon as i walked out of the the camper i was cold um you know boots that your feet constantly froze in um field field glasses that were you know kmart specials i mean just you know i think you don't have to go out and buy the best equipment but i think there's a lot to be said uh we all as hunter and hunters and fishermen we're always looking at the greatest gear and the gear that we ourselves can go out and use to to do our our hobby but don't forget your kids. And, and again, you don't have to buy the best equipment, but don't buy the cheapest. Give them, give them gear that, that they're going to get excited about and is going to allow them to have that kind of experience. And I think that's what we tried to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, <coughs> I mean, I definitely, although to tell you the truth, I remember having to buy my own first real set of like camouflage gear and I bought it myself. <laughs> I remember I'm sick of wearing this lousy hand-me-down uh, <laughs> orange jacket or something. Yeah. I remember. Well, there were exceptions. Yeah, there were a few exceptions. <laughs> I remember when I started working at Gander Mountain is when I really upped my hunting quality mm-hmm. gear. Mm-hmm. Took it to a new level there. Well, and, and you know, when I say buying good gear, I mean, some of that came later and largely because of, of you. My discount, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20% like discount. discount. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That was great. That was one of the worst days of my life when you quit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've helped make up for it since. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but uh, that's funny. Um, another story that just popped in my head. That, that Now we're really fast forwarding the clock. But now, I don't know, I'm a teenager or something like this, and I can't remember. I've told this story to many people. I don't remember if I've told it on the podcast, but one of my favorite Ken Rovin stories that involved you. Josh, do you remember if I told this story? Do you know the story I'm going to tell? Mm-mm. It's the walk, the night walk story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I know this one. I, remember I don't think you told this one. Oh, you don't yeah. know a night walk story? I don't think so. I think you'll know it when I tell it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, so, and this this is has to do with my grandpa. And we talked a lot about previously about how he's a pretty serious individual. Like he was not, at least at least around me, I never knew Grandpa as like a jokester. Um, you know, I mean, you know, he could have a good time, but he was not traditionally that type. So we're all in here in the cabin late at night after hunting and sitting around the fire, just like we're doing right now. And my dad and my uncle thought, you know, it's hot in here, right? The fire's really, really warmed it up in here beautiful night outside the stars were out one of the two of you said you know why don't go for a walk down the road down the two track so bill and dave go and they're going to go for a walk down the two track all the rest of us staying here sitting around talking 10 15 minutes goes by we're chit-chatting gp goes out to the bathroom we're still sitting around here and you know telling stories and restoking the fire and everything and another five minutes goes by and then all of a sudden you hear boom 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 and footsteps come running up the deck and the door flies open and my dad and bill run in here and my dad's bent over hands on his knees <sighs> you guys wouldn't believe it <sighs> I'm like, what in the world has happened and then bill and dad go on to say that they're walking down the road and all of a sudden they hear well what did you hear 
<laughs> Tell us, what did you hear? <laughs> I heard this blood-curdling screech. Just where? <laughs> I don't think you hear a screech. I thought you heard the crashing and like the growling. Oh, it was both. It was both. It was the screech and then the growling and then crashing after that. Well, how do you explain the screech? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it was just Grandpa making a loud noise, I guess. Well, because when you guys came running in here, you thought that there was a bear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. So we did. you described this bear having been, like, crunching through the woods, making a bunch of noise and coming yeah. towards you, and then you and Bill yeah. come running all the way down the road, all the way back to camp, freaking yeah. out. Maybe it was Bill that screamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that might no. be it. But, but, but you're absolutely right. We looked at each other, and we, we had flashlights, but they were both, I think the batteries were pretty low because we didn't really have much light. And it was just one of those things where, you know, it was already kind of a, it was a beautiful night, but it was also kind of a creepy night. And I don't know if you remember, that was the time when we had the coyotes and, and large quantities around us. So we had, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, groups of coyotes that, that seemed like they were just a couple hundred yards away. So, I mean, just this, the atmosphere was really kind of spooky and just kind of, you know. So, uh, and, you know, Uncle Bill, it's pretty hard to scare Uncle Bill, right? You know, here's a, he's a. A pretty, uh, pretty big, burly, or not big, but it's certainly a strong and powerful uh, wrestler type. And uh, not much would scare him. But we both, we heard that. And we, we must, I don't remember what we were talking about. We must have been talking about something that kind of set us up for it. Because I remember hearing that we looked at each other, wide-eyed, you know, saucers for eyes. And we just, and Uncle Bill and I just did a dead heat back to the cabin. Oh, and, did uh, you ever think that it obviously couldn't have been a bear because... We know that Bill was faster than you, so you would have been eaten probably <laughs> if it hadn't been a bear. Right? <laughs> right? You only need to outrun one person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just need to outrun the slowest guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Bill won the race back to camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you come running in here and you tell us, oh, my gosh, there's a bear or something out there. Yeah. We're like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then a couple minutes later, we hear steps on the deck again. And then we realize, oh, geez, Grandpa hadn't come back from the bathroom yet. And he opens the door and he... Looks in here at us, and then he just starts laughing, didn't he? <laughs> he <just> starts. <laughs> That's the first time in my life I can remember Grandpa doing a practical joke. <laughs> and, and so I don't know which was worse, just the, the, the shock of what had happened or knowing that it was Grandpa that did it to us. <laughs> yeah, so Grandpa had snuck out into the woods, yeah, worked yeah. his way around you guys, and yeah. then yeah, made a, it's, yeah, it's so unlike him yeah, and it so was. hilarious. It was. We had yes. a great, lot of great time. Yeah, that was very funny. We yeah. got a lot of good laughs out of that one. Um, are there any other moments up here that stand out? You know, you talked about different seminal moments with me mm-hmm. or or with him or with anyone else. <laughs> any others that stand out for you, Dave? <laughs> so this is maybe one, an example that, um, of one that stands out for relatively recent, and we've joked about this. This happened, uh, was it last year or the year before? Um, so... You know, haven't had a deer up here in a while. Um, I think it was two years ago, I guess it was. Uh, so I have a blind I call the trench blind, which is down from the cabin, 100 yards or so. And um, it's it's a, you know, for us old guys, it's an easy walk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> say um, that Dad is very particular about his entry and exit routes. You know, yeah. Out of his <laughs> we'll, we'll spin it that way for you, Dad. You're really good at entry and exit. <laughs> So a smooth, quiet so, hundred yards so, down from the yeah. <laughs> So so it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful evening. Um, 
uh, Mark and Josh went out. Just they Mark. went out south. It was Josh just you. Was yeah, there. that's I right. Wasn't Josh here was there. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was about 3 o'clock. Mark and I finished up what we were doing, had dinner or, or lunch, rather. And Mark takes off and goes south, goes to his uh, tree stand over the food plot. And uh, uh, so I decide I'm going to go out and hunt the trench blind at night. And I've, I've seen a lot of deer at the trench blind. It's been a pretty good place for a deer, despite the easy access and et cetera. It's been a good blind. So um, I get over there. It's about maybe, you know, 4 o'clock or so, quarter to 3, because, of course, I don't go in quite as early as Mark does. So I get out there, and it's it was the first five time. or quarter no, to no, 5. No, 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 just <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> But I get out there and I notice that, you know, now this is a this is a uh, a kind of similar kind of blind to what Mark was describing before. So it's a grandpa blind. It's you know it's got the the corrugated top and the four by fours on the corners and yeah, and the astroturf around the side and you know et cetera. And it used to have the the, uh, the gutter stuff. the gutter, gutter stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I've tore that down. But at any rate. Um, and so I get there, and I notice that, that some of the carpeting had fallen down on the side. So, you know, I mean, I look at my watch, and it's quarter to four. And I say, well, hey, you know, I got, some, I got plenty of time. Of course, Mark would tell you that Dad's not quite the hardcore hunter that he is. <laughs> and this not, is not, qu- just, not just, quite. Just not quite. <laughs> not yeah, quite, yeah. yeah. Just by a little bit. <laughs> so I go, you know, I'm close to the cabin. So I go back to the cabin, I get the staple gun. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine... What I would have done if I'd been there and seeing this. That's, oh, that's why goodness. I did it after you left. <laughs> Mark will never know. You know, it's you know things have really changed when you gauge everything you do by what Mark would do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I sneak back out to the blind. And you didn't sneak. <laughs> <laughs> and I staple up the carpeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Mark didn't hear that from him. Yeah, probably <laughs> could have. I was cl- I was busy. Cli- I was in a climber, so I was climbing up. Th- at this moment, I was climbing up in my climbing tree stand. And, and you didn't hear anything. Did I you? didn't hear, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's because I was making a whole bunch of noise. Yeah. So you know, so I I, I made the very discretionary and wise move of deciding not to bring the staple gun back to the cabin. <laughs> I just put her on the chair and I sit down and and get settled and bring my rifle up. You know, I'm kind of start scanning with my glasses and you know looking for deer and suddenly I hear some crashing out to my right and look over and here's a beautiful uh, turned out to be a five point. Nice, beautiful deer, you know, sneaking his way through towards from the right towards my center. And literally, just one of those things who was really close to me. Frankly, I didn't, I thought he'd see me and, and take off. Mind you, this is five minutes after I stapled the carpet. <laughs> Yeah, and what what I love though is that you had the audacity to you see the buck, he's walking in, and then he noticed that one of the one of the astroturf carpet flaps it was still flapping. So you grab the staple gun, let me fix that. No, no, I didn't, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> but anyway, so I brought the the scope up and put the crosshairs on his shoulders and pulled the trigger, and um, deer runs off, and um, and I text Mark. No, no, let's, no, you let's, tell the rest of the story. Let's time I'll out. let you tell the rest of the story. You pull the trigger, you shoot this deer. Yeah. I had just gotten in settled in my climbing tree stand. It's like 3.30 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had just gotten settled. And I'm just sitting down. I think I just pulled out my gun, and then all of a sudden, kaboom, jump out of my pants. I mean, so close to me, so loud. And it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and it came from right where you're sitting. And the first thing I thought was, oh, my God. My dad fell and the gun went off and he shot himself or something. Like, there's no way he shot a deer. 
at 3.30. Well, first of all, it's my dad. Second of all, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. And he's 100 yards from the cabin. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no way this could be a good thing. Yeah. So immediately I was I, I panicked. I was like, oh, my God, something really bad just happened. And I was about to climb down, and I thought, I'm going to give him one. No. I was either going to give you one minute and then call you, or maybe I called you immediately. I think I called you yeah, imme- you immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if he doesn't answer, I'm go- I'm running over there. Like, we got to figure out what's going on. But I was scared. I wasn't excited. I was, like, scared. And I call you. And then you picked up, like, what just happened? I shot a buck. <laughs> <laughs> you what? You shot a buck? <laughs> it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Couldn't oh. believe it. It was crazy. It blew your mind, and you had no idea about the staple. Yeah, incident. I didn't even know about the staple <laughs> incident yet. If I'd known that, <laughs> color me surprised. <laughs> the whole thing was pretty wild. Yeah, but yeah, we went over there and waited. I don't know, waited an hour and then tracked him right to where he's at, mm-hmm. and that was a cool moment. Yeah, it that was. was the first. I mean, it was the first moment like that we got to share together mm-hmm. um in a long time in a long time yeah, yeah i guess we had we killed the buck with me a few mm-hmm. years before that back in southern michigan right? yeah yep um but that was the first one up here mm-hmm. so that was that was really cool um that was a good one josh do you have any you have uh, some further stories do you have any further stories you need to share or any questions about any other questions about the history of this place Man, the stories I or i mean my my one story from up here is one i'd rather not share i think it's <laughs> been shared, shared plenty of times <laughs> yeah um not one of my finer moments but that's the really f- the only dumb thing i've think of i've done up here and that's pretty good for me i was gonna say i mean you you calendar your events by how many dumb things you've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, i try to focus really hard when i'm here so i don't do anything stupid <laughs> i'm just really glad i'm not alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you guys like when i'm not around do you just like commiserate about what an asshole i am or something <laughs> is that basically what you guys talk about <laughs> That Mark guy, jeez. <laughs> Who brought him along? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, that's his, uh, it is always, always good to be up here. It's, I love, I mean, I could keep asking you to just tell story after story. I just love hearing all the old mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. And I was like that when I was seven years old, and I'm yeah. still like that now at 31, and hopefully at 47, I'll yeah. still be the same way. Well, as a as a dad and a new grand father my excitement is being able to share that all over again with your son everett yeah i am very very excited i was already thinking about that tonight i told you earlier today that i'm thinking about um kind of taking grandpa's old ground blind he had a spot Mm -hmm. that used to hunt here the most and that's i hunt around that area now it's kind of become my little zone that i hunt a lot we've been working on these food plots around there and i killed my first buck at kenroven near there and so i kind of inherited that spot and um his old ground blind, though, we haven't really done anything with since Grandpa passed. And it's kind of fallen under disrepair, and the bears have kind of tore it up. And so the the, the foundation, like the, the poles are still there, and the roof's still there, but all the carpeting's fallen down, and the gutter stuff's fallen down, and the little fireplace screen's still there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was I was standing out in front of it, today, and actually, interestingly, it's weird. You know, I, I told this story a couple weeks ago, and you had told me this, well, Mid-October, me and Ferder are here. We're hunting. I'm sitting this tree stand overlooking this field, little food plot now. You can see the ground blind. And 
as I was sitting there, I was thinking about grandpa and thinking about all these memories and thinking about the first set I ever had out here, which had been in that ground blind. Mm-hmm. And that first moment I remember seeing deer and I'm thinking about all these things. And then this black bear shows up underneath me. First time I'd ever seen a bear up here. Really cool moment. And you know, I, I did a video about it and things like that. And then you dad texted me a couple of days later or a week or so later. And you said, well, what was the date of that? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's October 15th. Yeah. And you said, well, that was exactly six years to the day of his passing, mm-hmm. right? That yep. was a six-year anniversary of his passing. Yeah. So that was that was like, oh, wow. Like That was like such a kind of a wild thing to have happened that day as I was thinking about him and all that stuff right there. Yeah. And interestingly, today, um, I'm back out there again, and I, I go out there to hunt, and I'm walking across the plot in the morning, and I notice fresh bear tracks walking across the plot and I follow those fresh bear tracks and they literally walk two steps away from the ground blind. They, mm. they walk right to the blind and just divert right around it oh. by two steps, wow. walked right by grandpa's blind. And so it, it's almost like the bear walked me to the blind. And then I was like, well, I, I should hunt there tonight. And so I sat there tonight thinking about more. And I told you dad that, I, you know what? I think I should fix it back up again. Yeah. And that should be the first place that Everett hunts yep. when he comes up here with me. Kind of full circle. The first place I sat, and now I can take my son to sit there again. Um, and it's it's kind of like this, you know, I don't know what it is, spirit animal or whatever it is. The the, the bear kind of led me to it again after yeah. that cool moment earlier. I told I don't know. It's all kind of strange coincidence or something, but mm-hmm. kind of cool. So I think that's some, what I'm going to do. going to get that fixed up again and can't wait to take my son up here and to introduce yeah. him to all these things and these stories and you know, well, and, awesome. and you know, we talked about how his grandpa, by and large, was a pretty serious guy. But you know, where grandpa was the happiest, where he really was himself and really enjoyed things the most, was when he was out in the woods or in a boat with you, fishing or hunting. He was always, it's, it's <clears throat> you know, there's all sorts of stories about grandpa, and some of you know, he was a tough guy sometimes, but. I will always remember those moments that he just was, you know, taking me to do all these things with him and you and him and me going places and, mm-hmm. and hunting and fishing. I mean, those are like the the foundational experiences of my life. Um, yeah, did you ever think you'd be doing this? No, <laughs> no. But it's it's, you know, all those things made me who I am today, which have made it just led me to have the opportunities I've had. Have you ever told the story about uh, sitting in your your dorm slash apartment uh, near Columbia University in Manhattan and then interning at Fleischman Hillard and bored and out of your tears and deciding to start up Wired to Hunt? Yes, I have. I have <laughs> told that story. So people are probably sick of that story. I won't regale that one again. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of interesting things that have led to. Let us here now, yeah. which is pretty cool. And it all started here. Yep, it in did. This little cabin. Yeah. With that's uh, largely just about the dang same as it was when I was here at three years old. Yeah. I mean, the same pictures on the wall, the same deer on the wall. Yep. There's still no electricity. There's still no running water. There's still no running toilet. The woman folks still don't want to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that happens when I get home is your mother says, strip. Yeah. <laughs> which, Why which is normally, that? Which, which normally I'd be excited about, but unfortunately it's in this not, case, it's not for any good reasons. No. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. This is a family show. <laughs> it's, it's not because they're if, trying to make kid number if we're, three. If we're going down that road, we, Mark and I could keep this podcast going <laughs> for oh, a while. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to tell the embarrassing stories about <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of embarrassing stories that we won't tell about you, Dad. Um, but we will say that that the cabin does have a little bit of a unique odor to it, supposedly. Yeah, that by all the woman folk. That all of our the wives claim yeah. that when we come back, we have a smell of Ken Roven to us. And so, yeah, mom always makes you take all of your clothes off in the garage. And then my wife now does the same thing. I have to keep all my stuff yeah. in the mudroom. It's a mixture of the fire and those uh, middle-of-the-night butt grunts that go on in the cabin. <laughs> You know what's the worst, Josh, is when the, you're laying on the couch, oh, and no. then the and then the elder statesman of the cabin comes walking by, and then happens to pause for a moment right in front of your face, and then there's a buck grunt mysteriously, and then like you feel the hair on the side of your head just kind of shifts to one other side. Oh man, that was a bad oh, night. God. You know, I'm really glad this podcast is not nationally syndicated. <laughs> Those old buck grunts, I'll tell I would, you what. I would have rather gone cold than have the fire get stoked that night. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those nights that the fire <laughs> wasn't that important. Mm. And on that note, <laughs> I think we will I think we will wrap it up unless uh, any final thoughts further. Just, just thank you guys for allowing me to come up and inviting me to come up every year. This is one of the favorite, my favorite times of the year is getting to come up here and hang out for a couple of days. It's never long enough, but. It's always a, a great time when we get up here, and, and uh, man, it's just, uh, I can't thank you guys enough for You're part of the family, including Josh. me in this. It's, it's a lot of fun, so thank yeah. you. And, uh, Deb, any final thoughts? Well, just thanks for the opportunity. It's nice to listen and hear all your podcasts and hear your, uh, all the questions that your audience asks and to have a little opportunity to just play a little part of that. It's cool. It is cool. It's, uh, it's fun to have you on the show. It's Thanks. uh, it's fun to also be able to be here and do all the things. And I suppose, on the topic of thanks, I should thank you, Father, for having done such a great job introducing me to hunting and fishing in the outdoors, and all these things that have become the foundational element of my life. So thanks for that. Thank you, Grandpa. Thank you, Ken Rovin. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us share these stories at Deer Camp. And with that, we'll shut this one down. So thank you for joining us, especially on this holiday week. Hope you had a great time with friends and family over the Thanksgiving break and uh, maybe got to hit the tree stand or the ground blind as well. So I will just give you a couple quick reminders. Uh, Number one, the Wired Hunt merchandise. We've got hats and t-shirts. Those are available, again, over at TheMeatEater.com. If you go to our shop, you'll find all that stuff in there. Speaking of things in the shop, Steve Rinella's new cookbook is available that Steve and Giannis and the whole team worked on. It's the new hunting and fishing cookbook full of recipes for everything from deer, elk, alligator, squirrels, salmon, all sorts of stuff. It's, it's really an incredible book. would highly recommend you check it out. Last I saw, it was number four of all books on Amazon, which is pretty incredible. So head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you pick up books and check that out. And with that last plug out of the way... I will let you all go. Enjoy the rest of your holidays. Best of luck in the woods. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. 
Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 